The Money Show. Business Unusual. With Colin Cullis. Uh, I've been doodling. I've been doodling uh, a picture for you, Colin Cullis. Um, and I've signed it. And I've dated it. Do you like the picture? Or do you have an obvious question about my picture? Uh, well, Bruce, it wouldn't matter if you signed it or if, if it's not on the blockchain at the moment. Uh, it's just not going to make bank. If you want to make but money, it's you've got to get it on the blockchain. But it's art. Sure, but, but nobody it's... really cares if it's art or not. They just want to know if it's going to be worth anything. That's, oh. that's what really is underlying for this evening's uh, sort of uh, chat. Although I did, okay. I did have this as, a, as, as an idea. Imagine if you could interview Leonardo da Vinci. You know, <laughs> right after people started making a big noise about the Mona Lisa. I'm not able to do that, but I can maybe do the next best thing because the potential da Vinci of the digital art world is this guy called Mike Winkleman. He's better known as Beeple. And this weekend, a piece that he created that was sold, he sold in October for a million rand was resold just four months later for 98 million rand. It's a 10 second video. His website is covered in these little 10 second videos that he makes all the time. And they've been used by various brands, et cetera, et cetera. But because it can be uh, added, it's authenticity, it's scarcity can be created in the special blockchain thing called the non-fungible token. Uh, it gets to stick around forever and be worth a lot of money. CNBC uh, interviewed him recently and asked him about the impact that he's having on the, on the popularity and the practicality of these things. Take a listen to how casual he actually was. And I only came to this space about four months ago. So it, it's, it's really like rapidly, rapidly growing and expanding. Um, so, you know, I, I saw as soon as I sort of saw this four months ago, people kind of kept telling me to kind of come to the space and take a look at it. And as soon as I saw it, I saw just this massive, massive potential for this as a platform for, you know, a digital ownership of a bunch of different things. I'm half tempted to wonder if he said massive, massive potential for a bubble. He didn't. He said <laughs> potential, but almost the same thing. And to be fair, Beeple is online at the moment and he's tweeting this evening. In fact, I retweeted one of the things of him actually warning people that this is getting crazy quickly and, and maybe should have you know a little bit of tempering done to it. Because at the moment, they're just bubbles all over the show. Uh, the GameStop was one of them. The whole stock market is another. And here is just the latest in a, in a long line of them. Uh, and, and the question then is, do you get in before the bubble pops? Do you sit and watch as a lot of people say, well, I've seen that happen before, and, and so leave it all alone? Uh, or do you treat it as a bit of a once-off? I think perhaps before one-off. Before we get before we get stupid and brilliant, just explain this to me one more time because I'm a bit thick. Um, I can draw a perfectly nice picture of a bald monkey, um, and I can sign it, and it's got its tongue sticking out, and that's lovely. It's my doodle, and um, nobody would give me any money for it, but I accept that it's not art. Um, I go and I go to a gallery and I buy a painting and I'm willing to pay whatever price I am for a painting. I stick it on my wall. Hopefully, I like it. Maybe it grows in value. Maybe it was an investment. This guy is making 10-second videos on the internet and selling them for millions. Yes, and this is where the, the non-fungible part comes in. And, and I do want to go into that, but I just got to tell you the last little bit about what is sure. currently sure. happening, because this is the first digital artist to have his art uh, go on auction at Christie's. Usually that is the real world stuff that you actually get in your hand or have it shredded straight after you buy it because Banksy. Uh, but in this case, you will get a picture that exists only digitally. Uh, you could go and print it out if you wanted to, but the thing you'll be buying is a digital picture. It's called Every Days and it consists of 5,000 pictures. This man is prolific. Every day he produces an image. And over the 
the last five years. He started in 2007 with this particular project. He's been making a new doodle. So, you know, you're onto something there, Bruce, uh, every day. And he's now compiled them and put it onto that. The current bid, there's still eight days to go. The current bid is for 48 million rand, should you wish to buy it. And yes, you can buy it using cryptocurrency. So going back to the non-fungibility, why would Christie say, fine, stick this random little picture up on the, on the internet and we can sell it? Well, um, fungible assets are things like cash, or some people would tell you Bitcoin is fungible too, i.e. each one is the same as the other, they can be used interchangeably, so they represent a value, but they're not inherent in terms of their value. You get semi-fungible things, if I give you a ticket to go some, to, to some concert or something, well, they're all tickets to a concert, but it has to be a specific concert. And then there's non-fungible. If you own a house, that is probably the most expensive non-fungible asset you own. It is unique, there is only one of them. Uh, and you have it, assuming you can prove that you do. And then the token part is just the notion that you can't actually carry a house around, you can't carry some digital blockchain idea around. So the token is the thing that lives in the blockchain that says you own it. Uh, a gift card would be an example of a token because it, it represents cash without being the cash. So that's how the, the NFT part comes together. Um, and the notion of, um, you know, how did this come to be? Why does anybody care about it now, certainly, is part of the old hype cycle. So it was first uh, formulated, I say, back in 2017, as if that was a really long time ago, uh, because Ethereum was created and it came with the ability to do a smart contract. And a smart contract allowed you to do more than just this person owns this amount of money. They could say this own person owns this amount of a thing and we can verify you know what it belongs to them how it works and the, one of the first projects i saw that i thought that is brilliant was the beers had said they want to track all diamonds via the blockchain and when they first said of course everybody was saying do everything via the blockchain but that has actually turned into a thing it's called tracer and it allows them to say the diamond was mined here it then moved on to this uh, first polisher, I'm not quite sure what the terminology is, and then this jeweler, and then was bought by this person, and then was sold to the next person. So you can both say, I know exactly where this diamond comes from. If somebody's trying to sell it, you can say, ha, huh, but is it actually yours? And if you want to be mindful about the provenance of a diamond, you can see exactly where it goes to. That's a fantastic use case for this kind of technology. Uh, another one that I thought was quite clever was Kodak. Remember them? Uh, they'd come up with the idea to say, all of these digital pictures that have been shared on the internet, people are just stealing them and using them and never um, acknowledging the original creator. So they wanted to build a blockchain of uh, photo ownership that'll work. Well, that is exactly what digital art is effectively. Uh, Kodak didn't quite manage to get off the ground. The company that approached them to do it is still busy working. They're called Ride. Um, and that might still be a thing for photographers. But it was the CryptoKitties guys who really made this thing happen. There's a little side project in 2017 building on the ability to uh, encode value onto the blockchain. And so they created these digital animals, they affected a little artwork and uh, a set of criteria that you could buy or sell or breed. And when, when somebody owned a crypto kitty, you could get it to meet with another crypto kitty and those two crypto kitties would generate a couple more crypto kitties. And so you could make crypto kitties. And as you read this, you realize that is just ridiculous and is definitely going to turn into a complete scam and be a flop and be terrible, but they're still around. And while it was just a sort of a, a, a use case to see, could they functionally do this on the blockchain? The answer was no. The amount of transactions caused the entire thing to gum up and fall over. But it doesn't mean that they weren't onto something. In the most recent uh, iteration, it's not the digital art stuff. It is even more bizarre. It's a thing that the NBA has done to um, sort of update the collecting of basketball cards or baseball cards and all those sorts of things that as kids you used to do and it's still a massive industry. Uh, football is particularly uh, popular in South Africa, for example. And what they're doing is they're selling you clips of people scoring baskets in basketball. Uh, and you can buy them. It's 
it's on a blockchain and then you can hold these and sell them. Uh, and if you buy a certain number of them in a certain space of time, they will issue with new ones, somebody, different ones. Colin, ones. Colin, somebody is taking the mick. I mean, I'm delighted that people are making money out of this stuff, but ultimately, if somebody's making money, somebody's going to lose money here. And I just, I fear, I fear for those who get caught up in the maelstrom of this. Um, they won't even have a pretty picture on the wall by the end of it. You're absolutely right. Your fears are well-founded because... You, you know what, when people talk about, and I don't mean to be unkind to coin mints, you know, people say, you've got to buy this coin, it's super rare, get it today. You kind of know, they just keep minting coins. As long as somebody's willing to buy a coin, somebody's willing to mint it. You could argue, well, at least the coin has got some base value because the metal it's made out of can be sold for something. This is just an abstraction from this. This is the digital version of the same thing. If you have the desire to collect something, digital or real, you're not going to really dissuade somebody from doing it. And so for things like sports companies or actual artists wanting to get in on the mix here. I, I say this is a step forward and that's the brilliant part about this. It is a much more um, practical way of, of ensuring that it happens okay. Of course, everybody can create their own little blockchains and completely rip you off there. So, you know, work with something that's a little reputable, assuming you can find something like that. But the flip side is this is also really incredibly useful for the, for the creators themselves. One of the things that you can do with a digital NFT is that when I create a piece of art, I can include as part of the contract that I will receive a proceed from the next time it is sold. Something that uh, Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci might have liked to get from the Mona Lisa. So every time that thing gets resold, you will get a 5%, 10%, whatever you decide it was, whatever the person who you sold it to agreed to give it to you, automatically come into your bank account. And that again for creators who often, you know, the artist is the person who makes the least amount of money from having created an actual piece of art. So I would say in part, keep making the real art, but put the real art on the blockchain. Make it so that the person who then buys it will have to buy it via this method and so we'll be able to perpetuate you know, where the prominence is uh, that the, the original uh, person who created it will be able to get some returns on it, that the notions of forgeries and, and counterfeits, which are still a massive problem in the art world, can be addressed. The catch should be then on which blockchain and you know, how, would it be, how would it be rolled out. That of course is the detailed bits. For now though, you might think, okay, well, what's the... Um, real-world contemporary or co comparisons. Well, Supreme is definitely known for people, they release some shirts, people go and buy them up in bulk and then resell them and make a huge profit. And the sneaker industry, well, that's just considered to be absolutely okay now, even though you know somebody is buying a pair of shoes at a, at a, at a value and then simply holding on to them for a bit and then selling them to somebody else for a much inflated price. And some of these Am people are buying the shoes, wearing them for a bit and then selling them for more than they got. I don't understand. Second-hand shoes. I don't understand no. either. But you know what? Good. Nike, to their credit with the Just Do It thing, they have got the patent for digital sneakers. So imagine paying an inflated price for a pair of shoes with somebody's name on it or not and buying just the digital version of it, hanging on to it for a little bit and selling them on. I fear for Gen Alpha and what they're going to have to deal with when it comes to the economies of these sorts of things. For now, it's a bubble waiting to pop. If you get in early, you may get out with some good stuff. When it pops and corrects and becomes back to normal, there is some very clever, very useful technology underlying all of this. Colin Cullis, Business Unusual on a Wednesday.